0: The persecution of Christians during the end times, like the signs of the coming of the Lord. We've been talking about why I believe we're living in the end times. We've talked about the, the, the signs in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the climate, the signs in nature, the signs in the culture. How that, uh, that Luke and Matthew talks about that those signs, will we, we measure them almost like we, we time birth pains. With the frequency and intensity of which they occur. Luke and Matthew also mentions the persecution of Christians and the intensity and frequency with which that will occur. Revelations chapter six, verse nine, talking about a time in the, in the near future, says this: "says And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony." which they held revelations chapter 17 verse 6 talking about the the spiritual uh babbling there the 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 false church world church says and i saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of jesus christ i want to i want to continue talking about why i believe we're living in the end times but i want to transition a little bit this morning to begin talking about what I believe are some essentials for end times living. And I want to begin with with what I believe is very, very foundational, and that is an unshakable faith. The days in which we're living and the days that are immediately before us are going to require an unshakable faith, whether it's the ultimatum, given to our brothers and the sisters uh, uh, that by ISIS or by some other group, or are, are, whether it's the growing persecution in our country and the marginalization of Christians and of those who dare to believe God's word, our faith is going to be tried as never before in the days in which we live. And Revelations chapter 13 and chapter 14 makes it very clear that sometime in the, in the future, That there is coming on the world scene a a, a world ruler, very charismatic person, a world ruler. And then he is going to have uh, a, a religious backing that's going to encourage the world to follow him and believe in him. But there is going to come a day, a time... And Revelation, and don't go there. I didn't. I don't think I gave this scripture to them, but I was reading it again between services. Let me just, Revelation 13 and 14. Let me read you a couple, three verses here in Revelation 13. It says, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast. This is verse 12, but don't go. And he caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast on the earth in the sight of men. And deceived them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast so that the image would speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, I want to look this morning at what an unshakable faith looks like. And Scripture gives us several examples, some great examples. What an unshakable faith looks like. Where does it come from? What's it it grounded in? And then I want us to end by just saying, Lord, how's my faith? And you need to know that, that the messages, the end time messages, are never, never intent at all, and they should not be messages for the believer of discouragement and of despair. Matter of fact, when we when we look at uh, what last we look at some of the scriptures, and it says when you see all these things come to pass, look up, lift up your head, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Thessalonians says when you see all these things come to pass, comfort one another with these words. And so this morning also. The, the message this morning is never intended, never intended to make you question your faith or not, but I want you to let the Lord examine your faith if it be of the unshakable kind. Okay, go with me if you will. Let's go to the uh, Old Testament book of Daniel, Old Testament book of Daniel. Let's go to chapter three. Someone has said, "Only a faith that's been tested can be trusted." I think it was a philosopher, Williams James, that said, uh, "Faith is uh, is one of the forces by which men live." But I would encourage you that as we talk about end time faith and as we talk about unshakable faith this morning, that everyone believes to some degree in something. But an unshakable faith is a faith that's rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, faith is only as good as the object to which it is placed in. So it's very critical. Look at Daniel with me if you get to Daniel chapter 3. And, um, and, and just note that as we get to, to Daniel chapter 3, it's about worship. Revelation 13 and 14, it's about worship. And in some strange way, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense, but in some strange way, this radical Islamic jihadist, <coughs> excuse me, it's about worship. They, these, these, I call them barbarians, I call them beasts, I call them controlled by, by the forces from, from hell, the pit, And yet, somehow, they believe that they are doing the right thing for their God. And they're willing to give their life for that. And ever since the rebellion in the heavens with Lucifer, when Lucifer rebelled and Lucifer said, hey, I I can be God. I I can be like God. And a a following of angels and, and and God kicked him out of heaven. Ever since then, Satan has desired to have the worship. That is only ascribed to God. When he tempted Jesus, remember after the after the the, the uh, fasting in the desert, one att- was tempting Jesus to give them worship. I'll give you anything. Just worship me. The future, you know, the, and I, what was I to say? Just convert. Worship our God. Worship our God. The future. Revelation thirteen fourteen says they will worship this image. Keep that in mind because when we get to Daniel 3, I've never noticed this before until recently. That it's all about our worship. Look, join me. Nebuchadnezzar, and, and what's happened now is, is uh, the Babylonians, and that's present day mostly Iraq in that area. The Babylonians have conquered Israel, destroyed Israel a couple of times, and they've taken away the captives. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's king made a big image was, it was pure gold. It was ninety feet high and nine feet wide. Wow, that's a tall thing—ninety feet high, nine feet wide. And Nebuchadnezzar, verse two, went together to all the uh, all the people from everywhere to come to the plain of Dura to the dedication of the image. And verse 3 says that they came and they, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And verse 5 says, And a herald cried out and said to you, it's commanded people, nations, languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the music, look what it says. To bow to the ground and what? To worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And whoever don't fall to the ground and worship, that same hour will be thrown into a burning, a fiery furnace. Therefore, at the time when all the people heard the sound of the, of the, of the music, they fell down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wow. As we look at this this morning, I know we know the story. Okay, I love as I love one of the stories, three Hebrew children and uh, and and tell you the truth. uh, I don't I don't want the familiarity of it to to just keep us from missing the fact that these three young men were just like you and just like me. And they're just like our brothers and sisters today that are faced with the ultimatum. You convert and worship our God or we'll kill you. Same ultimatum, okay? All right, this is, a, this is a, it's, it's, it's used. Let's look at what happens in verse eight. So when the, um, when the music sounded, then there were some uh, certain called-ins that came near and accused the Jews. And they, they said um, to the king Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, These, uh, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the ghost statute when they heard the sound of the music. That decree also states that whoever refuses to obey must be thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. And, uh, and they said, but there are some Jews. Now, the called-ins had kind of been the, the they were the kind of the Assyrians. They were the wise, some of the wise men in, in Babylon there. And back before this, Daniel and these three, three of his, his, his friends who were, who, were, who, were ex, who were slaves there had been carried captive to, to Babylon. And who asked to be proved? Remember with the king's meat, and they didn't. And they get, were given a chance, and the king honored Daniel. And so Daniel said, "Well, how about Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael?" So they they put these Shadrach, renamed them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they put him. The king put them in positions of authority. So here are the call, here are the called ins, and and they're 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 jealous, they're aggravated, they're looking for a charge anyway. They said these these three guys that you put in charge of the providence of Babylon, they don't pay any attention to you. They don't, they don't, you're not, they're not threatened by you. They refuse to serve your gods and they do not worship the statute that you've set up. Everybody bowed as they were told to except three. These three. Now, I'm kindly reminded that, uh, Today, when threatened with life, when threatened with life, with survival, people will do almost anything to escape death or danger. Understand. Reminds me of Satan's ploy back in Job chapter two, early on. You remember when, when, uh, when God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Look at him, there's no knocking like him. Man, he, he's got an unshakable faith. He's not gonna ever worship you. And in Job chapter two, Verse 4, look at what it says. And Satan said to the Lord, skin for skin. Yeah. But a man, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. Now I can just imagine these, these three guys. But look what happened. They they, they wouldn't bow the accusation there. Look up in verse 13. In verse 13, he says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was angry, man, he was furious. His, uh, his 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 face. He flew into a, a rage, and uh, ordered that they were brought bring these three guys before him, and they did. And he said to him, "Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up?" And he said, "I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of music. But if you refuse, you're going to be thrown immediately into the the burning fiery furnace." And I love this statement at the end of verse 15. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. And then what God is able to rescue you from my power. He's, you know, you want to, he don't know the rest of the story. They they don't know the rest of the story yet. We do. We want to say, just wait. Look at what happens. The king is, the, the, the king is furious. And then in verse, verse 16, notice what it said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, king, ne- oh, king Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. I think King James says, we don't, we don't need to be careful. They basically said, king, we don't need to talk this over. It, we, we, don't, we don't need to talk it over. These guys, and we're going to look at this, why? It says, if we're thrown into the blazing, fiery furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statutes you've set up. Their unshakable faith came because they had decided long beforehand which god they were going to serve. Which God that that was worthy of not only their life service, but which God, if it came right down to it, was worthy of their their death. They had made that decision. Now, today we're living in a a kind of a world that says, hey, hey, there's a lot of paths to God, there's a lot of, or to heaven, there's a lot of roads there, and it don't really matter which one you follow, just as long as you're sincere about it. And if that is your philosophy, you're in trouble. Because in the days in which we are living and in the days that are directly before us, you'll be able to worship one God as well as another God as well as another God. But they're all false gods. And it's so sad that only in eternity, then will your eyes will be opened and Satan will laugh and mock and all the way to the lake of fire because he deceived you. He wanted your worship, but he was unable to deliver you in the day of the testing of your faith. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Aminagos said, basically said to him, hey, we know that our God is able. We know he's able, O king, but even if he don't, we're not going to worship him. Paul had an unshakable faith. Saul that was uh, that was the Christians, a persecutor of Christians, a religious zealot, thought he was doing the right thing. But then, when he met the risen Lord on the road that, that to Damascus, then he had a he built a faith on this on this living Lord, and he would later say to the young man in the faith, Timothy, Timothy, I know whom I believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Is the God you're serving able to keep that which is most significant and most important until the day that we live in? If it's not, you need to change God's. I love the, uh, some of you have been reading through the Bible. uh, And you've been, uh, and this week you're reading through, is it Elijah? Was it Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel? And it didn't rain. and, And finally Elijah says, enough of this is enough. Enough this is enough. And so he, he tells, sends word to King Ahab, you, you go get 450 prophets of Baal and, and 400 prophets and Jezebel's prophets and you meet me on Mount Carmel. Remember that story? And they get up there and, 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 and he said, bring all the people, bring all the people. And, uh, and, and he says to them, hey, it's time for the real God to stand up. It's time for the real God to stand up. I want to tell you, our real God will not only stand up, he will show up. And the question is, are, are, is, is my faith and your faith that of the unshakable kind? And so we have the, we have the showdown. That's not what I'm going to get. We have the showdown there. Uh, you know, and all, I love that. One of my most favorite stories in Scripture. He tells, he tells the prophets of Baal. Here, take, this, take your bull. You, you, you fix it. 450 of them guys whacking on that animal. Build, a, they build an altar of the bell and they put wood on it and they put it there. And then they begin to, you know, they begin to pray and, and ask their God to show up. Doesn't show up. Yeah, <laughs> he's gone. yeah Elijah begins to mock him. You yeah. know, maybe he's gone to Destin. I could hear that. Maybe he's going to Destin. Call it a little bit louder. <laughs> you know, or maybe, maybe he's busy. And then he says, maybe he's, maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Holler real loud. Knock on the door. I, I, but this time Elijah is one man of God and these hundreds of others and he's getting pretty bold. But, but this time they're, 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 they man, they're, they're serious. Scripture says they're cutting themselves till the blood. The scripture says gushed, doesn't say oozed, says gushed. they were a bloody mess. They had, they had kicked up a bunch of dust. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. It they were dusty, bloody of the mess. Finally time toward the evening of sacrifice, Elijah says, guys, why don't you, why don't you cool it for a minute? And then he does that, he prepares, puts a bull, and then he says, this is always boggling me, he says to those guys, I wasn't even going to preach this, first service didn't even hear this, they didn't need it. He says to them, go get some jugs of, go get some barrels of water. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. It wasn't an easy trek. Now, I've been on Mount Carmel, and part way down they say is where the springs were. And I can just see this, he says, you know, go get some water. And they pour it on the water. Now, if the, if, listen to me, if it ain't rained here in a few weeks, you pour a jug of water out and it just whoop, goes right in the ground. Can you imagine what it'd be like three years? Pour that water on that sucker. Pour it on it. Go get more. Go get more. I can, I can see the young man there. I can see Todd say, hey, Todd, I done went the first load. Hey, Eddie, you go get this load. You know? And they just said, hey, Todd, you, rest me out. Hey, Jim. Hey, you know, go rest me out. And they pour on the altar. Until the scripture says that the, 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 the bull is soaked, the wood is soaked, the altar soaked. And there's a ditch around the altar and it's full of water. And Elijah begins to pray and say, God, if you're God and if I'm your servant, you need to show up. Whew. God answers with fire. It eats up the, the beef. It eats up the wood. It, it, it melts the stones and it licks up all the water around it. And then and then and then Elijah says, Whose side are you on? <laughs> well, look at look at what look at what's happening here. That's just I'm just simply saying, these men, these three men, had put their faith in a God that had been tried. He was the God of Israel who had been tried. Now the God of Israel had been mocked recently. The Babylonians had went in, destroyed the temple, burned Jerusalem to the ground, had taken away those captives that said Jehovah was their God. They were their slaves. And now the king has said, who's, where's your God? I just read this week I, and I, and I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm, embarrassed and ashamed to say that, that I hadn't known much before about the Armenian slaughter of 1915, 1916, uh, Hundreds of thousands between a million and 0.2 and a million 0.5 documented Christians slaughtered for their faith. I read of, and I read, it uh, wasn't easy reading. I started reading some reports of, of people who had been on the ground and of eyewitness reports of one town and said the, uh, the uh, tanners and the butchers took up clubs and cleavers and began killing the Christians and crying Allah Akbar. Said they continued the bloody work till noon and they stopped for the noon prayers and then they continued the slaughter. I read of of Christians and I read of where as they slaughtered, they would would say to the, the people would holler out, where's your God, Christians? Where's your God, Christians? Where's your God, Christians? In the days in which we live, the world is crying out, where's your God, Christians? Where is he? Well, let's look at the rest of the story. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, his face became distorted with rage, and he, he told him to heat the furnace up seven times hotter than, than it was normal. He ordered some of the strongest men of his army. They tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, clothes and all. And he ordered them uh, to throw them in. So they tied them up with all their garments. And because the king's anger uh, in his anger, he had demanded the furnace be heated seven times. When the soldiers threw these three Hebrew children in, the, the heat was so hot from the furnace, it killed the soldiers. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love this little phrase, securely tied fell down into the roaring flames. God's got a sense of humor. Verse 24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and said to his advisor, didn't we tie three men and throw them into the fire? And they said, yeah, we did. And he said, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, aren't harmed, and the fourth one looks like the son of God or a God. So Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the furnace and hollered out, hey, you guys, come here, get out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the, the, uh, the officers and the governors, they all come around, and they're looking at them. Their hair's not singed. They, they're touching their clothes. They don't even smell like smoke. Now, you can't even be around somebody that's smoking a cigarette and not smell like smoke. These guys have been in, in, this, in this furnace. And they're coming around sniffing at them, looking at them. real? I can see this now. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Look at this now. They defied the king's command and look at this. And were willing to die rather than serve or worship any other god. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had they read the rest of the story, did they say, hey, guys, it's okay. We've read the other story. No. They didn't know they were going to be delivered from the furnace. They knew he could. That's our God. He can. But they said, it doesn't matter where he does or not. We know he's God. Wow. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree. Every language, nations, uh, that if anybody speaks a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to be torn to pieces. There are going to be bad things happen to them. An unshakable faith is essential for the end times. An unshakable faith is in our God who is and what he can do, but not necessarily what he does. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 gives a list of great men and women of faith. And as it's describing them in verse 33, these men and women of faith, those of men of faith, he said through faith they subdued kingdoms, they wrought righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of the fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness they were made strong, they waxed valiant in fight, and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. But there were others, look, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were cutting two, they were tempted, they were killed by the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and the mountains and dens and caves of the earth. What's the secret of this kind of unshakable faith? I believe they knew the one in whom they had placed their trust and the one whom they had trusted I was thinking about this uh, this week, and I was thinking about the disciples. Don't, I don't have time to go there. I really kind of, I knew I was getting too long with this when I was, I got plum excited. But let me just, you, you read about, remember the Mount of, of uh, remember when Jesus was betrayed there in, in the Mount of, All, uh, Garden of Gethsemane? And, um, and the uh, soldiers came, and remember the scripture says that they, the disciples left, They fled. John is kind of hanging around, and Mark says that somebody grabbed a hold of John, John by his clothes, and John took off running and left his coat, robe in their hands. He, he ran naked away. They were, where was there, was talk about unshakable faith? They scared to death, man. They run like turkeys. And what about, what about Peter? Big Peter, I'll you know, pull, a, pull a sword and fight. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll fight with you. Well, he falls to the distance. Then when it push comes to shove and somebody said, do you know him? He denies he knew. Denied three times and the third time started cussing. Said, I don't even know who you're talking about. Now compare that with a faith that is puny as cooked spaghetti. And, and compare that with Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Here you've got Peter and, and others bent on in, in jail been, been beat, and then the authorities bring him to him and said, now, well, you, you, you just can't go around. You, you need to stop what you're doing. You can't talk about this Jesus anymore. And Peter, this Peter who, who did not even knew him, said, hey, hey, we can't help but tell about this Jesus that you crucified, that you killed, and that God raised from the dead. Now, you decide, you decide who, who we're going to answer to, man or God. We're going to answer to God. He was so bold. What made the difference? What made the difference in these other disciples? Uh, history tells us that, that most all of them, maybe except the possibility of one or two, died for their faith. These same ones who ran when Jesus was there. Now, they died for their faith, boldly proclaiming, you can kill me, but I'm not afraid. What made the difference? I believe. I believe they had met the resurrected Lord. (laughs) Ah! And this they had seen, they had seen their leader nailed to a cross, they had seen their leader die. They had seen him take his lifeless body, take him from the cross, put in a grave. But three days later, they see this living Lord and they remember the words of Jesus don't fear those who can kill the body only. can't you just imagine these disciples? Hey, 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 you can kill us, but you know what? We're going to live again. You can't destroy our souls. Jesus, you killed Jesus where he's now. He's alive. You can't go to the grave and dig up his bones. He's alive. I believe it's that, that, that that they put their faith and they gave their lives for a God that they knew was living and alive. Why did God, um, I've wondered about this. Why did God include the story of uh, Daniel 3 in the Bible? You know, I'm convinced that everything in the Bible is is there for a particular reason. Now, I tell you, I just have trouble with the begats and the begats, But they're there. But, But Romans chapter 15, verse 4, says this. It says, and such things were written in scriptures long time ago, long ago, to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for the Lord's promises to be fulfilled. I believe that first of all, this was a great, that what happened in in Babylon, what happened there on the plains of Jura, had to be a great encouragement to, to to the nation of Israel. Had to be a great encouragement for the Jews. It couldn't have looked worse. Their land had been destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Jerusalem had been burned. While people were not killed, were taken captive. And the ones that weren't taken captive were left to a, to a land that had been absolutely ruined by an invading army. As, as desolate as they could leave it. The prophets may could see hope, but that was somewhere way out in the future. Right now in Israel, things were B.A.D. bad. But I believe word got back to Israel. Hey, God's still God. Did you hear what happened over in, uh, in, in, in Babylon? Did you what happened to, to oh, Hanani, Ezra, and Mishael? Yeah, the three kids. They were the kids. You know what happened to them? Have you heard about the decree that King Nebuchadnezzar now has, has put out? That it's the gods of Abraham, uh, God of, Nebuchadnezzar, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that everybody's going to worship? Have you heard that? They were written for encouragement. I believe they were written for encouragement for us. See, life may be relatively safe and comfortable where we live right now. But in many places, God's people are paying a high price to keep their testimony. Day after day, they're told, fall down and worship the gods of the world. And Peter warned that in the end times, there would be fiery trials that would, that would test our faith. And we need to know that not every believer is spared of the fiery furnace. I've wondered, you know, I see the picture of the 21 Christians on the shore of Libya with ISIS marching them down and ISIS standing behind them ready to, to cut their heads off. And I'll just tell you, there's a part of me that wanted God to strike light and send lightning out of heaven and just take, take out the 21 ISIS, God. Let it be on national television and show, the, show them who's real God. I, if I could have been God for a few minutes, I would handle it. I would have probably messed up big time I And mean, I, you know, this week I was saying to someone man I wonder why God didn't do that and they said probably because God knows eternity of hell awaits him he's wanting some of them to come to know him yet yeah, they were more spiritual than I was ISIS could take their heads but they couldn't touch their souls you see God has never forsaken a one of his and he never will He never will. Unshakable faith is required to stand strong and not bow their knee before the world. Could talk about, I mean, we're looking at this, this is the end times, but I could talk about other things that that shake our faith. Could have talked about death, death of a loved one, a spouse, a child. Many people have turned and walked away at a death that they couldn't explain. Could talk about divorce. Divorce. Talk about disaster. Could Talk about ruin. Less brutal things, but all things that have power to, to really shake our faith to the very core. I'm going to close. I, it's time. Uh, if, I don't, if I don't close now, I'll start talking about food. And I hadn't mentioned food all service till now. <laughs> Go, uh, Craig Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Let me, let me set up the last two verses. In Habakkuk 3, the prophet... Has been, has been talking about the majesty and the power of God to deliver his people. And he said it's absolutely undeniable. It's absolutely, he, God is able to do it. He can do anything. He, look at he's talking about God's power. But then he closes, he closes with this, what I feel like is unshakable faith, and who God is and not just what he does. I read this and I, I, I looked back in one of my Bibles I'd had many years ago at the end of, uh, of, of verse uh, 18 or 19, I'd put, praise the Lord. Look at this. The prophet's writing. But he says, but if the fig tree doesn't blossom, neither fruit in the vines, grapes on the vines, the labor of the olives shall fail, the fields with cr- the crops dry up in the field. Yield, and the flocks cut off from the fold, They, they die giving birth. Even though there's no herds in the stalls, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hind feet and he will make me walk upon the high places. That's a sure faith in a God that is unshakable. The days in which we live and the days that are immediately before us are going to bend that kind of faith. I'm a minded good friend is with the Lord now, but a mentor of mine, Edwin Messerschmidt. And he would greet me and he would say, brother... How's your faith? That's a good question. How's your faith? Don't wait till you're standing before authorities and they say, what are you going to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had settled it long ago who they were going to serve. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning, and we praise you, and we thank you for who you are and all you do. Lord, your awesomeness, your power is beyond question. Your authority and your glory is unshareable. And Father, this morning we seek to put our faith, our full faith and trust in you so that we would be unshakable. I kind of feel like David when he says, Okay, Lord, now take a look at my heart and my mind and be sure of what I, my faith and my trust is secure in you. This morning, if you know that you've committed unto the Lord your soul and you know that he's able to keep it, but you commit like Habakkuk, whether he does or whether he doesn't, whether he rescues you from the furnace or whether he doesn't, He's still sovereign God, and you're going to trust him. And you've settled that long ago. I'd like for you just to stand. Don't look around. Just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and stand to your feet. Now, there may be those of you this morning that aren't able to stand. And listen to me real, real keenly, just for a second or two. days which we live and the days that are immediately before you are going to try you like never before you need a sure faith you need an anchor that you can trust and I'm here to tell you that's Jesus Christ this morning if you would like to give him your life if you would like to say God I need to put my faith and trust in something that's going to stand and that's you right now, by an act of faith, you'll stand and say, God, come into my life. You stand and join these that are here. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Father, this morning you be glorified in our lives everything that happens to us may we bring you glory and praise. Lord, may that our faith be of the unshakable kind, and Lord, may it be a powerful tool used in the hands of the master for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Christ I pray. Amen. God bless you.